0: Live from Studio One in Castlebar, it's the Jack
1: McDonald Show.
2: Yes, you're all very welcome back to the Jack McDonald Show here on C F M Thursday, the 17th of June It's strange, time is flying by Anyway, a lot to talk about in the papers, but firstly, if you'd like to contribute to the show, you can text 087 935 0043 or email studio at crcfm.ie Now, a packed show for you this weekend or this week rather, we've got Cahal Cahal O'Boyle of course, the resident film reviewer, I don't know if you could call him a film reviewer, but certainly a man with a opinions about films, and he will be joining us in just uh, a short few moments to talk about the film Boyhood. Of course, a more modern film, but still a classic, and we're going to see if he can desecrate. I love that film, so let's hope he doesn't do too much damage to it and then a little later we're going to be joined for the first time ever on this program and potentially the station for some live music Uh, over the over the line we will be joined by Jamie McIntyre he's a guy from Galway 19 years of age and what a phenomenal talent he is so that's all in store but for now a lot of stories in the paper we didn't touch on some of them yesterday which means we've got a build up firstly have you ever had a problem with your mother well, you might have. You might have been quite cross. Maybe she did something to annoy you. Oh, and have you ever been quite hungry? That's probably possible as well. Maybe you were coming home from a match or something. Uh, but you probably would never merge the two, would you? Well, Sanchez, Gomer, Sanchez Gomez rather, in Madrid did just that. According to The Sun, he is a jobless waiter who has now been jailed for more than 15 years for murdering and then eating his own mother. I mean, wow. So he cut her up into tiny pieces and he, um, apparently, he would keep her in containers. And it took many weeks for the Madrid police force to actually catch on to this. Now, listen, uh, you know, they, they, mothers can be annoying at times, but uh, you'd never really, you'd never, you know, boil them up or anything. You know, Mike, why is the, why's the water boiling? Oh, I'm just going to pop the mother in there. Like, come on. Don't be putting your mother's in the oven would be the thing. Apparently, he tried to claim that it was a psychotic episode. He went for the insanity defense. That didn't work because if it's such a psychotic episode, how come two weeks later, Tupperware containers are are lining your fridge with your mother's, you know, eyes and ears? It's absolutely bizarre. But yeah, that's happening in in Madrid. Uh, Sanchez Gomez uh, apparently he's uh, facing more than 15 years for that one. Now, we touched on a few days ago Noel Gallagher. We keep talk- talking about him on this program and indeed Oasis will feature in Jamie's uh, in Jamie's songs in just a little while. But for now, Noel Gallagher says he's very happy at the Irish Sun for printing that story where he uh, called Harry an effing snowflake. It was on the front page, and apparently, the 54-year-old rock star is now looking to hang it up on his wall. He called it effing great, and he said uh, he's trying to get a hold of it. Uh, that he missed it apparently, but he's trying to get a copy so he can have it f- have it framed. He called, as as I said, he called the Duke of Sussex an effing snowflake, and. Yeah, so that is Noel Gallagher, 54 years of age, still making headlines. Then. There is these anti-dumping drones being proposed. So, you will know that uh, drones, I I know my own brother, a small small brother, got uh, a drone over Christmas and it was gone literally within two minutes. He took it outside and that was pretty much the end of it. Well, uh, the government is looking to use drones, which is never a good thing to say, to catch dumpers. Yes, that's right. The dumping people, if if you've ever decided to throw a couch out in a a laneway or something, well, maybe you might hear above your head and uh, look up and uh, perhaps load that couch back into your van, apparently these these anti-dumping drones will be proposed in the coming weeks um, and there's a lot of concerns, I think rightfully so, about the privacy implications, especially because it would seem like a little, a little of—I'm sorry—a lot of an overstretch. If everywhere you go, there's a drone watching your every step. I mean, to a degree, there already is. But come on, let's um, yeah, let's keep the let's keep the drone usage to a limited, especially for the dumpers. Um, and now obviously the 2,000 euro fine or whatever they threaten doesn't seem to work because there's cans and there's glass and there's everywhere uh, you look, but certainly I, I think that those drones would be a, a huge overstep. Now, in the US, things have got, they've got very poor, you know. I think, I'm think i not sure if I will, uh, in later years, move to the US, but certainly it's, it doesn't look like a place you'd want to be right now. It, it looks like there's very little places that are that uh, slice of heaven that uh, were once advertised, even George Hook. George Huck was talking about that of the uh, different places in uh, in uh, in America and how you know incredible they are well it looks like over the last 15 months as they've shut down their economy and Perhaps, you know, got a little bit more extreme both sides, that uh, things are not going well, especially just on the streets. Lots of shootings, lots of uh, robberies, lots of crimes. A bizarre example, uh, kind of a shining example of this, what happened just a few days ago in San Francisco. So I've got a news clip loaded up, which is a rarity, but yes, this is ABC 7 News in San Francisco, as as they detailed quite a bizarre incident.
3: Three people stopped to take cell phone video of a man filling a garbage bag with items in a San Francisco Walgreens. But that didn't discourage the theft. Nor did the security guards attempt at grabbing the bag. The man got away with everything on a lift bike. That's when he sort of like, RAN INTO ME WITH HIS BICYCLE. ABC 7 NEWS REPORTER Leanne MELENDEZ TOOK THE CELL PHONE VIDEO WHILE SHE WAS SHOPPING AT THE HAYES VALLEY WALGREENS ON HER DAY OFF. SHE WAS NOT INJURED. IT'S HARD FOR ME AS A JOURNALIST TO SAY I WON'T BE INVOLVED, I CAN'T GET INVOLVED, I HAVE TO BE SORT OF NEUTRAL, BUT THIS IS ALSO MY CITY. I LIVE IN THE CITY. And I see this constantly. In the past year and a half, Melendez says she has witnessed three of these out-in-the-open shoplifting sprees at different Walgreens throughout San Francisco. Unable to justify profit-crushing theft, stores are closing.
4: 17 Walgreens over the last five years. Almost every Gap retail outlet is gone.
3: Last month, San Francisco Supervisor Asha Safai held a hearing on organized retail theft and says the DA and police department need a much more coordinated response.
4: It might even involve the more aggressive effort when it comes to surveillance cameras because you see the same individual hitting multiple locations. Um, then, then you can begin to have a, a deeper conversation about bringing multiple charges.
3: Kate Larson, ABC7 News.
2: Here's a novel idea, don't allow people on bikes into your stores, that'd be the first idea. Uh, second idea, in the land of guns you'd think they'd be able to do something about this, I mean we don't even have a gun and I can guarantee that no fella on a bike, if you actually see the video it is bizarre. It's a guy with, not not just a, like a, a bag, like a Tesco bag, he's got a bin bag and he goes through and, and very methodically and kinda calmly fills up his uh, garbage bag and uh, throws it on his back and out he cycles. The, the security guard kind of looks bewildered as if like well i don't know what i'm supposed to do here and uh, somebody kind of pushes the bag a little bit he the, he doesn't appear to have any weapons he's not even that erratic he's just gone for his shop and the people around have gone fair enough i suppose yeah this is this is normal so Uh, Thank you to ABC News 7 for that uh, clip. So that's it from us here in the uh, news station. So we will be back in just a a few, uh, about five, ten minutes, with the man of the hour, Carlo Boyle, to see what he thinks of that excellent film, uh, Boyhood, uh, with, uh, of course, directed by Richard Linklater. But for now, here's a song from Post Malone. Congratulations. Yes, thank you, Laura. Now, it's time for one of the best segments of the week, depending on who you ask. It's time for Classic Films with Cahill O'Boyle. How are things, Cahill? Hello,
4: Jack. How uh, are well, we?
2: If you want to text in, of course, that's 87 Maybe Cahill says something you you agree with or disagree with about, 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 the, about the film. Probably disagree. Cahill, before we get to the film, did you hear the show a little earlier and the uh, story about the waiter?
4: Uh no, you have to run me up to schedule
2: on this. Well, firstly you should be listening to the show, but secondly, a jobless <laughs> waiter uh basically he killed his mother and ate her over a series of months. It's absolutely bizarre. He's twenty eight and he's going to be jailed for fifteen years. It's just truly incredible.
4: I mean, it's almost as bizarre as the story about a uh I think a 22-year-old who was told by his father to move out or get a job and uh, killed his entire family because of that. So uh, the world's gone to uh, some weird uh, outbursts. Certainly, but it's
2: a... uh, So, of course, the film we gave you this week was called Boyhood. It's a much more modern film than we've given you for the past two weeks. It's uh, two hours and 43 minutes in length, but it basically follows the story of a young boy who goes throughout his life, I think from kind of the age of five or six up to he's 18. And the unique part of it is usually you'd get everybody down to Atlanta or Vancouver and you'd shoot it over two months and you'd get actors that kind of look like each other so you can age them up. Rick Richard Linklater the director said no 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 and over 12 summers they put this together so each summer they'd meet up and film a part of this movie so as I said Cahill it is the uh, 2 hours and 43 minutes so much like Sanchez Gomez we're going to have to go through it piece by piece see how I set that one up uh, but we're going to have to go through it piece by piece. So, Carl, firstly, what did you think of the film just going into it? Your initial perception before you actually press play.
4: Never heard of it. That's, that's never heard of it. I never heard of the film before you told me about it. I, so I did some little research on it, and uh, it, not to, to to spoil on myself, but I just kind of looked at reviews and, and stuff and starage to uh, see what it was recepted as. And uh, it certainly intrigued me because I, w- I was kind of it had kind of a, an interesting approach, very, very unique film and cinematography, um, like you said about the twelve summers approach. But um, it certainly had its uh, interesting aspects, nonetheless, that, that intrigued. And going into the film, I was not expecting much. I wasn't expecting it to to be. Um, Outstanding, um, because I never heard of Richard Linklater. However, doing research on him himself, he's actually he dur- ended up being a, the director of one of my favourite films, which is School of Rock, with Jack Black. Um, which was, which was a good film in my Okay, opinion, so
2: it. you you had your initial perception, and then you, of course, press play. So talk us through how you felt about the film. We start off with, basically, there's two kids and a single mother. The mother is uh, trying to kind of give the kids a better life, and that's where we pick up. How Did, did you like that part of the story?
4: I mean, it, it's kind of like this um, very kind of emotional kind of upbringing. Only a few people can relate to it. Um, you've got the actor of... Uh, Eller, Co- Eller Coltrane who plays the young son Mason who grows up uh, as it is and I believe it's Lor- Lorelei Linklater um, who I believe is actually um, uh, the director Richard's uh, daughter um, who's also involved in the film and that, it, it being the daughter of uh, the main character I-, I could be wrong and I but I'm really certain it is her looks a lot different growing up anyways um, but they were the two kind of kids since then. and I think uh, Patricia Arquette played the-, the mother kind of growing up in this troubled scenario um, where um, she's really struggling to influence these kids into into a life that she really wants. This is back in two thousand and two, I believe, as well, when you can certainly see the the times were a lot different to what they are now. And close to the end of the movie, um, I, I enjoyed the kind of uh, the intro because it gives a background to, to the movie with the kind of the the stepping stone to get the movie in, into swing. And, and I certainly think that. Uh, the director link later and execute that with flawless execution. You never know, it, 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 could, uh, it could have gone a bit
2: better, but uh, I think it was interesting in, in terms of the way they portrayed it. Mm. Well, soon after we that we see that intro, they move, and when they move, the, she moves back to uh, live with her mother so she can go to school, and the, the kids, of course, are being taken care of by the grandmother for, you know, most of the, their time. Then, we actually see the dad come back into the picture. He's a, I mean, he's a, he's a Bob Dylan type, uh, you know, no responsibilities, he's this kind of hippie who should have grown up and he obviously hasn't grown up but he seems to be coming in to take a little bit more responsibility Cahill your initial uh, thoughts or kind of feelings towards the character of the dad Um, well that's Mason
4: Senior Mason Senior Uh, just a little comment on the actor himself when I saw it I honestly thought it was Benedict Cumberbatch playing him um, (laughs) initially because it's, I think Mason Hawke is the, or Ethan Hawke is the actor, I think, who plays him, uh, Mason Senior. Couldn't be further
2: and, from Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way, for those that haven't seen this.
4: Um, no, no, no. Admittedly, he's not that far off, in my opinion. I think he's quite close to him. Um, he kind of looks like a mix of um, the guy who played Vision in uh, Marvel and um, and Benedict Cumberbatch, but nonetheless, uh, we will digress on that. Um, The character is one of them troubled ones, you know. uh, He's a a Texas kite man, um, obviously with the the movie being uh, set in Texas for a lot of us. He seems to be quite troubled, Mason uh, Sr. You can understand why Olivia left him. She's not really uh, taken too fondly to his uh, initial antics. So his character is is the kind of um, intriguing part of the movie in terms of how he develops from the get-go alongside his son, Mason Jr., Uh, whatever you want to call him but I think them two are kind of the the two ones to watch from the movie especially the way they kind of set him up as as this person who's trying to change but not trying hard enough
2: yes well soon after Mason Senior comes back into the picture it leads to a key scene so here is Mason Senior talking to the two kids and trying really I suppose to bond after not being in their lives for many years
3: what you been up to? so much no?
1: you still hanging with that kid, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, He's still your best friend?
4: Yeah, I guess.
3: (laughs) All right. No, 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 no. No, that is not how we are going to talk to one another, all right? No, I will not be that guy. You
2: cannot put me in that category, all right? The biological father I spend every other week with, and I make polite
3: conversation, you know, while he drives me places and buys me. No, talk to me. Samantha, how was your week? Uh, I don't know, Dad, it was kind of tough. Billy and Ellen broke up, and Ellen's kind of mad at me because she saw me talking to Billy in the cafeteria. And you remember that sculpture I was working on? Well,
2: it was a unicorn, and the horn broke off, so now it's a zebra, okay? But I still think I'm gonna get an A, right?
3: Mason, uh, how was your week? Well, Dad, you know, it's kind of tough. Joe, he's kind of a jerk, actually. He stole some cigarettes from his mom, he wanted me to smoke them. But I said no, because I knew what a hard time you had quitting smoking, Dad. How about that? Is that so hard?
4: Dad, these questions are kind of hard to answer.
3: What is so hard to answer about what sculpture are you making? It's abstract. Okay, okay, that's good. See, that's... I didn't... I didn't... I didn't know that. I didn't know you were even interested in abstract art. I'm not. They make us do it. But, Dad, I mean, why is it all on us, though? You know, what about you? How was your week? You know, who do you hang out with? you have a girlfriend? What have you been up to? I see your point. So we should just let it happen more naturally, right? That's what you're saying. Okay. That's what we'll do. Starting now.
2: Well, there you have it, a clip from the film Boyhood. Call. Your thoughts on that that scene, but more so, uh, how the father does eventually, I suppose, become a little bit more responsible towards the kids. The father is actually based. Uh, Mason Senior is based on Richard Linklater and Ethan Hawke's own fathers, according to the internet.
4: It, 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 it's funny because you, you see him really cut. Uh, I, I suppose cut the, the the the. I can't think of the phrase for it, but he he really. Uh, shuts off Annie, uh hope of them, uh, kind of shutting him out of his life. He's a relay director, which uh, he dives right into the deep end, which is funny in my opinion. Cause he, he's going brash, like, don't make me this, don't make me this, please, please, okay. Uh, and, and it's just kind of troublesome. However, it, 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 it kind of works in his favour, kind of leads to uh, his daughter, asking obviously, because he has a girlfriend. <laughs> Something it's that I find very weird as a very young uh, my very young daughter asked me back to ask if I was a from to my wife, but either way, we Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, you know, yeah okay. we definitely do digress <laughs> rather than the social commentary he is obviously a person who is trying to take a little bit more responsibility there's a great scene of course when he has the kids for the weekend so he obviously he brings them back to his house come apartment with this other Rastafarian and it's all kind of a, a little bit bizarre but ultimately it shows through a lot of heart and it kind of uh, it it certainly juxtaposes the you know this kind of uh, Mason Senior when we see the new partner that the mother chooses. So the mother chooses what seems like a good guy, college professor, but he turns out to be not so good.
4: Certainly. Um. Hello. That first scene. Sorry, I thought I heard a YouTube uh, scene playing there. Apologies. And um, no, it, it certainly is uh, a, a character that is, is, that is um, strange enough. Uh, I mean, w- when I look at, looked at the movie uh, in terms of the the father and then the new guy that uh, uh, Olivia Evans, the, the mother in the, the film, uh, choose, there's a real contrast between them. I mean, not everything does it seems with uh, her new partner um, in the film, which is. is one one aspect of it. But the way, I Linkley, a lot later, whatever his name is, I forget it now, but uh, his approach to the kind of character building all of the the father is really kind of like a, a second coming of age for himself and that. And it, it's the typical, like, rivalry they now have. It's like, oh, your stepfather did give you this, blah, blah, blah. It's a rivalry between the kind of, overtaken and, and they kind of Yeah that's a, that's a good
2: take. point because initially as I you know I alluded to the the uh the, the uh, new uh, partner come husband eventually turns out to be a, a right fella but at the start it really is just you know wh- whose car is bigger who you know who has the bigger muscles it's this kind of um you know it's, it's a competition between the two and neither of them are you know both of their pluses and minuses I think however the main minus that the new husband uh, comes to have is that he is horribly abusive. Uh, so I would definitely put that down in the minus box. Here is a, quite a difficult scene to listen to.
3: I'm having a drink with my dinner. Anybody else have a problem with that? Hmm? No. Mindy? You don't like me much, do you, Mason? That's okay, I don't like me either. <laughs> Think that's funny, huh? Think that's fucking <laughs> funny? What's the matter? You feeling left out? <laughs> Clean it up! <laughs> Clean it up. <laughs> oh. Clean it up.
2: I hate squash. Uh, a yeah, horrific scene, but it kind of is comedically undertoned there with I hate squash. Kohal, did you see that storyline coming? I can tell you I certainly didn't see that.
4: No, um it, it's this spiral downwards of Bill be the, the new husband of Olivia kind of thing. Um she was initially supportive of this, which kind of I guess egged on this, this spiral downward and um, shores with the children kind of overwhelming them. I think as well uh, Mason was forced to get his hair cut because of how long he was having it in the film, uh, and Bill wasn't very uh, pleased with that. And and eventually it leads to the kind of overarching and kind of then abuse that that uh, he, he he becomes abusive person. He becomes, I think, it, it, the kind of plank finally breaks when it comes to uh, then assaults Olivia, who then moves away um, with uh, Mason and and. Uh, 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 Carrie, her daughter Samantha, Samantha, Samantha. Uh, Samantha and uh, they kind of move away, however, I think Bill has his stepchildren who are also, um, who are left behind, because they Olivia can't find her, their, their biological parents, so there's like the kind of emotional aspect of them being abused and that, and then obviously, some of the children being left behind, with this alcoholic, uh, drunk, abusive, father figure, who, who's clearly just this, Sad life who, who who kind of originally at the start seems like this kind of godly figure in comparison to Nathan. It's kind of the reversal of the rules, which I think is kind of uh, the point of it. But uh, it, it certainly uh, it's kind of like uh, one of the reasons that Olivia I say gets closer to. Um, Mason Senior again in the
2: end yeah and it certainly shapes the character of Olivia throughout the film that 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 uh, scene there I, t- I believe is kind of around the hour hour and 30 mark and it leaves a, a huge chunk of the film to kind of reconcile with that apparently P- Patricia Arquette who of course plays the mother Olivia was forbidden from getting plastic surgery for the whole 12 year period of production it's, it's incredible uh, yeah so of course you have all of those characters but then Mason is of course you know Mason Jr is is the main character here. He uh, goes, you know, through many spells. Did you find Mason Jr a likable character?
4: He's kind of like this. Black sheep of the family in a sense, like he he's got this weird sense about him. I mean the long hair was definitely something from the from the 2010 era. Mm. <laughs> It certainly wasn't something that I I think we're happy. I'm thinking we're very happy it stayed back then, just in beaver esque hairstyles of uh, that time period. There's a few Um, people
2: down Main Street still rocking that look.
4: And uh, they they should. uh, Never mind, I was about to say something, but I'm not (laughs) going to. Either way, there's a certain institution they belong in. Um, But either way, um, I think he's. Yeah, I can't relate to him in a sense. Uh, I, I I would certainly hope I wouldn't be able to relate to him in a lot of aspects, but um the character itself isn't isn't relatable. I think uh, he's kind of this outcast. He's I think he's a bit there's a bit of like bullying on in school or he's not the most Yeah, and also
2: he kid. lives with an abusive uh partner of his mother for about a year, a year and a half, who's smashing glasses and stuff. So I would hope you wouldn't be able to relate to him uh, too much. So he goes I
4: mentioned general, Jack, I mentioned general <laughs>
2: He goes from a kind of a a quiet, um, I suppose, uh, insular character, he's an introvert, and then eventually he comes out of his shell more and more throughout the film. However, it's not necessarily on a football pitch or anything like that. It's, you know, he he channels it in in different ways. And music also plays a uh, a huge part throughout the film. So all in all, it was a very, very interesting film. And then, I suppose, the biggest chunk of the last piece is watching Mason Jr. and Sr. That that relationship really comes to the fore throughout the end. How did you feel that that relationship between the father and the son can, comes together?
4: I mean, there's a scene where, where they're driving along in the road with um, Samantha in the back and a few other... I, I can't remember who else is in the back of the car, but they're kind of bonding or attempting to bond... Uh, the son seems disinterested as a teenage son would with their father, but there's certainly an attempt to to kind of become this closer relationship. And the father's trying now at this stage, which you give him benefit of the doubt, but the son is kind of this unreceptive teenager who's who's really has massive mood swings and and is kind of trying to learn with this struggle in his life. But the the relationship builds as the movie goes on and it's good to see that. And I think they're kind of Relationship grow together So I I think well the, the big
2: thing I suppose is this development of the of Mason senior the father so the father goes from this kind of free you know free loving keep on rocking in the free world Bob Dylan type person to by the end of the film he actually sells this uh, this you know I, think, I believe it was a Mustang but it was kind of the staple of his image he sells it and he buys a people carrier one of these uh, you, you know one of these George, kind of George, yeah, people carriers, yeah. yes exactly one of these seven uh, people people carriers and he's become fully acclimated to normal boring life and it's it's a very interesting kind of portrait he's got a normal job I believe he's an insurance salesman or something like that what did you think of that?
4: I mean yeah that's what I was saying as well there was a scene as well where they go and bond uh, they go camping and connect through the music film and uh, and like they're they're (laughs) ironically they're blossoming in the sun's blossoming interest in girls and um, as well as that, it's not just the father and the son who've grown, uh, the daughter as well. They've grown into their lives. Uh, and uh, in I believe it's uh, a place near Austin, Texas. Um, but uh, obviously, they they, they try and, and, and develop themselves. But certainly, it definitely be the coming of age of the father and the series that he develops. Into. I mean, but selling a Mustang GT and buying any other car that isn't a sports or muscle car is one thing. But buying it and buying selling it and buying a seven-seater. Now, that's a big step, I'd say, personally.
2: Um, Yeah, it's a big crime, I'd say, at least. Well, both of us can say that, I'm sure. In in 10 or 15 years' time, there'll be a person baiting you to to sell up whatever car you do, Michael. But uh, the biggest development, perhaps, the father does go through a change, but the mother goes from this kind of uh, optimistic, a relatively optimistic, independent person to... I I I hesitate to say a nut towards the end, but she doesn't seem all there. Am I wrong on that?
4: I mean, there is this kind of spiral. Like she she breaks down at some one stage. I think because she's she's completely like disconnected with 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 her her progression in 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 terms of life. I mean, I know in real life it it is a a twelve year period, but I'm sure looking in in the film. For her in her character the film kind of goes by in a sense is how fast she feels it goes by i mean her father she remembers the the father mason senior coming back into the movie at one stage being a completely different figure to where he was now so that progression for her would have been looking back on it would be quick so i I think she's kind of losing her sense of time and 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 her character kind of goes into this sense of, of of like kind of disillusionedness, I guess is that what you yeah, call? Yeah. Well,
2: here's that clip that you have just perfectly set up. So this is. Jack, uh, yes, I'm I'm a legend at
4: that
2: stuff. Yeah, you're you're a true professional. So this, of course, is that clip that Cahill was alluding to.
4: What? Nothing. No, what is it? It's
1: Nothing.
2: Mom.
3: This is the worst day of my life.
2: What are you talking about?
3: I knew this day was coming, I just, I didn't know you were going to be so fucking happy to be leaving. I mean, it's not that I'm that happy, what, what do you, what do you expect? You know what, I'm realizing my life is just going to go, like that. This series of milestones. Getting married, having kids, getting divorced. The time that we thought you were dyslexic, when I taught you how to ride a bike. Getting divorced again, getting my master's degree, finally getting the job I wanted. Sending Samantha off to college. Sending you off to college. You know what's next? Huh? It's my f***ing funeral! Just go and leave my picture!
2: Aren't you jumping ahead by like 40 years or something?
3: I just thought there would be more.
2: An indictment there of uh, many stages of life. So yeah, I, I if I if I'm honest, I think that would be a very uh, kind of succinct case for her being a little bit gone. Yeah, um, uh, she certainly
4: was kind of throwing every single memory at them. Uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm.
2: Well, overall, Kyle, we'll give our your your final scores. So cinematography. Well, sorry, your overall score for this film first. I've averaging out, I think,
4: come around. I'm finding my swing of things with the, with the movie reviews, and I think. Um, although it was a good movie, it's not the most, uh, I guess, fine wine <laughs> in terms of it. The, um, the movie, this one, uh, not my lowest score, so I'll give it an 8, but uh, certainly not my highest.
2: Okay, oh, that's an 8. It's a strong enough score. Now, the individual categories. Firstly, cinematography.
4: I mean, I can't give it anything less than a great score because the way the film was shot and the way it just smoothed and blended together, like, you don't have this kind of... Disillusionment with, with with when a film picks a new actor, and I, obviously that would be also involving characters as well. But the fact that it was shot over twelve years, the storyline remained kind of constant throughout. The, um, I guess scenery, the pace, the tempo was, remained the same throughout. Without the differentiating an actors it, it, it was just kind of flawless execution by by this director. And that, so I, I'll give it a nine.
2: A nine, okay. Characters.
4: The characters found they were a bit, uh, a, a bit uh, tricky, but it's it certainly the, the, the actors I think were suited to them because they were kind of growing up in, in a world where they 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 were growing with the role. So as they progressed on, they were kind of getting better and better. However, I do think the the lack of experience in an actor as they get older was kind of an issue with them. Now I appreciate um, Mason and, and his actor um, Eller. He, he, he was going up in the road, so he'd obviously have a better idea than someone who came in halfway through. However, I do think that the more experienced actors would have shunned a bit more if it was maybe uh, another actor halfway through. But you, you can never uh, be uh, kind of guessing with that. You can't be hypothetical with it. So, but the, I think the characters themselves were well caught out, well planned, and I think they, they kind of kept their pace and as well throughout the movie. So, um i go for
2: uh, a solid seven. A solid seven. Not bad, not bad. Plot. plot.
4: Um, again, this is another thing with the, with the movie being over a, a, a long period of time. You could kind of get the instant kind of feel after you were going through the first year. Well, that's funny plot you plot.
2: say that, Kaho, because apparently they started shooting without a finished script.
4: I mean, I, I wasn't aware of that, but I mean... I, I was surprised about the fact that it kind of was consistent. You could predict it at the start, kind of these one of these typical movies in a sense where there's a, a, a child who's kind of troubled at the moment with a divorced mother and, uh, and a sister who's older and they're kind of progressing to a stage where something is going to happen. There's going to be a figure in their life that their mother was a, uh, related to or had a, uh, intimacy with before that will come back and obviously it's their, step, or sorry, their father. And there's going to be trouble throughout it. I couldn't predict what, but I think... The kind of stereotypical kind of approach the movie had was was definitely one of the kind of uh, experiment, and I guess. I don't think you could
2: experiment. call that. That's a bit crazy. I don't think you could call this movie stereotypical.
4: Not, no, no, I, I wasn't calling the movie stereotypical. <laughs> Far from it. It's definitely a, a groundbreaker in that sense, and I was just about to call it. If the movie was an experiment that just hit every nail on the head. I'm just saying it was kind of a stereotypical approach in the sense of a narrative that you have a a kind of a a start-off where you you kind of get to know the characters and know their troubles and their traumas and then towards the end you finish off with their troubles and traumas and queries and and, and questions and quarrels all coming to a kind of rounded conclusion not a a kind of half left open uh, 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 what's the... (laughs) <laughs> the All right, it's your your, your final score
2: for the, for the plot, call.
4: Final score for the plot, I'd say, would be eight, again. I think it's consistent with the movie.
2: Okay, okay, and the ending?
4: Um, yeah, it seemed quite abrupt, though, so uh, it wasn't ideal, but it kind of summarized the movie in, in the sense, so um, there's not much else to say on it uh, other than uh, I'd give it an, an eight.
2: I would have given it a five. I don't think it was a strong ending. If I, I think the kind of the last few minutes of the son and the dad was quite good, uh, with the you know selling up the car and everything. But that was twenty or thirty minutes. That was kind of in the the end of the second act, not even the third act. But fair well, enough.
4: I, I agree. I agree that the, the, the summary with the dad was probably the best bit about it. But I don't. I just think about him being in college with his room, a new roommate, kind of just was a, a bit of a lackluster performance. So that's why I'm giving it an eight. I think. It was a nice summary with the father, trying to get the rounding to it. But the I just don't think the, the him being in college with his new roommates give any emphasis or, or priority or Emphasis on the on the on the
2: movie. Yes, it would. the The last scene was the equivalent of kind of zooming in on a bus, errand bus as you go up to Galway to go off to GMIT. It was like, <laughs> it, it was very poor. Anyway, Carl, thanks again for your uh, film review. If there's anybody out there w- that would like Cahal, as always, to disseminate their great film or destroy it, it's oh eight seven nine three five double o forty three. If you want to text in a suggestion or a comment, that's that. Now on the other line, we have the one and only. Jamie McIntyre here's here for about 20-30 minutes to bring us some incredible tunes and you know some of his own tunes, some of other people's tunes, it's just excellent. So here, as I say, is Jamie McIntyre, very very talented. The
3: Jack McDonald show. Well, you are very Monday welcome to Thursday, back to The Jack McDonald to Show. Tonight, uh, we are
2: trying out a new segment. I'm joined by potentially the lab rat, all the way from Galway, a very talented musician. Okay. Jamie, how are things? How are things, Jack? How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. Well, thanks for coming on. So, Jamie, you are a very talented singer-songwriter. You're a white guy with a guitar, which is actually <laughs> it's a little bit a dime a dozen now, to be fair. But we're gonna bring you we're gonna bring you kind of your life story and some music along with it. Over the last while, I, I've seen you shot to a lot of prominence. Tell me, how have the last 15 months been for a singer-songwriter?
0: it's been strange now I, I i'm not gonna be lying if i said it wasn't but for me personally it's actually been probably the the best 15 months that could have happened music wise because i've really kind of focused and said you know what? i need to write more songs i need to create more songs for different genre or not genres but different areas of my songwriting so it's kind of been a very long 15 months of songwriting for me because obviously there's been no gigs there's been no live events or anything like that um apart from obviously live on social media and stuff but it's mm. not the same thing really mm. uh, as playing to live would audience. you have been but, playing um, gigs before this yeah i was playing gigs before yeah kind of just in pubs and stuff like that i did my own kind of jamie mcintyre show if if you want to call it that in like um in like a place called the mal theater where i'm from but apart from that really i was kind of only starting to get into the gigging scene mm. and then COVID kind of struck so it kind of Well, you've penned a lot of original songs while
2: while COVID has struck, I'm sure. And if we can hear, to to start us off, we can hear one of those brilliant original songs. This is Jamie McIntyre.
0: This is a song called... What is this song called? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What You Mean To Me? That's
1: what it's called. When I met you I was blinded by your smile Why'd you pick me When you could have any guy Well, your beauty It just cannot be described You're like an angel That had fallen from the sky Oh, I thought I thought love was dead Until I found you And you showed me love instead Oh, words can't describe my love for you From here to Paris Oh, I fell for you I'll take you places that you've never been Lead you through the darkness Hold you while you sleep I'm gonna love you, until we we're 83 I'll give you my life, cause that's what you mean That's what you mean to me That's what you mean to me I'll ask your father I'll look him in the eye And I'll ask him Can your daughter be my wife? Cause I love her And I'd sacrifice my life To make sure she has Happiness inside her smile Oh, I thought, I thought love was dead Until I found you And you showed me love instead Oh, words can't describe my love for you From here to Paris Oh, I fell for you I take you places that you've never been Lead you through the darkness Hold you while you sleep I'm gonna love you until we're 83 I'll give you my life Cause that's what you mean, that's what you mean I'll take you places that you've never been. Lead you through the darkness, hold you while you sleep. I'm gonna love you until we're 83. I'll give you my life, cause that's what you mean. That's what you mean to me.
0: there we go that's excellent so what was that song called again that song is called what you mean to me it's really actually one of the most recent i think it's the most recent song i've written but um i sang it because i just can't get it out of my head so (laughs) that's the first time i played it anywhere i haven't played on a live or anything yet so
2: well thanks for the exclusive it's truly truly excellent let's talk about how you got started (laughs) with music
0: i've kind of always played like i've always loved music since i was small you know i've always been kind of very wanting to be not the center of attention but you know <laughs> like wanting to be uh listened to and all that kind of stuff but um i started playing guitar my mom forced me to play guitar when i was like we've all been I there i was like 10 and then like yeah we've all been there we've we been forced to do something but it was a good for it like it wasn't like a a bad thing you know it's just i i, I was too young to inju to kind of want to experience it and want to learn it but then i started learning it Then I quit. And then I went back when I was like 12, started learning the guitar, and I've been playing the guitar ever since. Um, but I never wrote, wrote songs, like, I'd want say tunes. I never wrote tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I never wrote songs until I was like, um, I think I wrote my first song when I was like 14, 15. And I never, I always thought I'd be bad at it. So I was like, I'm not going to try that. I'm going to keep singing covers until I went to an Ed Sheeran concert. As far as everyone knows, Ed Sheeran. Hmm. Um, it was on in Galway and I went to see it, and I remember watching. It was like a really, like, everyone kind of says, oh, you always tell this story, but like, (laughs) it's like a real defining moment in my life, like, you know, not even just in in music. I kind of, I was was just taken aback where I had this kind of experience where I looked back and I was like, I looked around the whole stadium, as you'd say, and he was singing this he was singing what song was he singing he was singing one of his slower songs it might have been perfect or thinking out loud mm-hmm. or something and the whole stadium had their lights up i'm just and i was just like wow like he that one man on the stage can do that can like bless everyone with his music you know mm. and i was like all right i have to start writing songs I have to start songs. I have to be <laughs> like ed sheeran mm. um so i went home i wrote two songs and they, they were probably crap like, i don't really remember what they were but like it was the start of it then and i kind of from then on i kind of was like all right i want to write a song a week or A song every two weeks or a song a day i kind of just wanted to make sure i got better at it and i kind of over time then i kind of got better at it i suppose well evidently
2: you've got yeah evidently you've got pretty good that's why you're here now one of my favorite (laughs) covers you do jamie is of oasis it's the i can't even get this it's sally can wait so if we could hear a little of that you slow it down in a really unique way so here is jamie with a bit of oasis
1: Slip inside the idle mind Don't you know you might find A better place to play You said that you'd never be All the things that you see will slowly fade away So we'll start a revolution from our bed You said the brains I had went to my head Step outside, summertime's the moon Stand up beside the fireplace Take that look from off your face You ain't ever gonna burn my heart out And so Sally can wait She knows it's too late As we're walking on by The soul slides away Don't look back in anger I heard you say So Sally can wait She knows it's too late As we're walking on by the soul slides away Don't look back in anger Don't look back in anger I heard you say Don't look back in anger,
2: I heard you say. Phenomenal, Jamie there with Don't Look Back in Anger. Excellent, excellent tune. So, Jamie, let's talk about your musical influences. Obviously, Ed Sheeran is one of the reasons why you're yeah, here today, good. but let's br- bring us a whole swath of them.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, Ed Sheeran uh, um, was the probably prodig- the the most vocal one i suppose but um james arthur also was up there with like one of my biggest influences like a lot of people say they can hear his influence on my voice um which is nice It's a great Mm. compliment to get but um i think it was last like november he duetted one of my videos on tiktok and it was like one (laughs) of the best days of my life (laughs) i remember sprinting down the stairs and he fallen down the stairs to show my mom that's Um, incredible but uh yeah oh it was amazing Mm. and the, the thing i was really like angry about was because it was a cover of his song Trainwreck, which I just, I just can't sing it. I'm not good at singing it. And I, and I kind of, I didn't butcher it, but I, I don't know. It wasn't very, I just didn't feel like it was very good, mm. but he duetted it and kind of reassured me that it was good. And I was like, you know what? Like, I was just so happy that he duetted it, but I was also like, Oh, I wish he duetted a better video, but <laughs> still, you know, um, it was, it was like one of the best moments of, of my musical journey, I suppose so far that he, that he um, duetted it. And took the time out of his day just to like, even listen to my voice, the fact that he knows mm. I exist, you know, it's kinda of like really cool to me. But um yeah, there's him, there's Ed Sheeran. there's I love the Beatles. My granddad always kinda of talked about the Beatles, um but no, actually I suppose he didn't really. He kinda of mentioned them briefly and he loved Elvis but mm. he loves Elvis. Um but um no, I, I love Paul McCartney. I, I just love his songwriting techniques and I'm a bit of a songwriting nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> like I love the way he wrote and and still writes, but um them three would probably be the main ones, you know, like Ed Sheeran, James Arthur, Paul McCartney. Um, but I kind of have a range of them, but they'd be the three main ones, really, that kind of influenced my
2: songwriting anyway. Oh, well, picture this
0: as well, sorry, picture mm. this. Ryan Henderson, see picture mm. this as
2: well. Well, let's see how those four influenced you, because if we can hear another one of your brilliant original tracks. Another original, yeah, I would, of course. Um, I'm going to play a song I wrote called um, Life Goes
0: On. So, if I remember how to play it.
1: Maybe I'm better off On my own playing the waiting game Cause I still feel pain inside my heart Knowing our love was gone But I don't miss you I miss the rainy days When we'd sing two happy songs. Now we've grown apart as we got older. And you're not the girl I love when you're not sober. I hope you're happy. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I hope you fall in love and have a new start We were just not meant to be And I hope you make new friends We were too young to love until the end And maybe that's fine, but if I meet you down the line Don't be afraid to say hi, I'll always be there I'll always be there for you Enough for now. So I gotta move on too. I hope you get your dream job. Cause I know how much you want it. Don't let anybody say that you're worse than yesterday, cause you're not. Cause now we've grown apart as we go. Older. And you're not the girl I love when you're not sober. I hope you're happy I mean it from the bottom of my heart I hope you fall in love and have a new start We were just not meant to be And I hope you make new friends We were too young to love until the end Oh, maybe that's fine But if I meet you down the line Don't be afraid to say hi I'll always be there Oh, I hope you're happy I mean it from the bottom of my heart I hope you fall in love and have a new start We were just not meant to be, and I hope you make new friends, you were too young to love until the end, maybe that's fine, but if I meet you down the line, don't be afraid to say hi, I'll always be there, I'll always be there for you. Enough for now cause I gotta move on to I wish you well. I've gotta move on to
2: Phenomenal Stuff What's once, once again, that's Jamie McIntyre. What was that song called? Uh, Life Goes On, that song was called, yeah. Life Goes On. I've ever written, really. It's it's yeah. truly excellent, and you could hear a lot of emotion there. Uh, when did you write that one? Yeah, I, was to... I wrote that uh, probably in
0: June last year. So about this time last year, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ph- phenomenal it was around, song. It might have been earlier, May. It, was, it was around the first line. Ish, yeah, around mm-hmm.
2: then. well let's talk about the process of writing it's always something that's asked of singer songwriters and it's question i will pose again to you how do you go about formulating your songs um
0: i suppose yeah every, every i've been asked this a lot of times but like it's i like i like answering these kind of questions though at least it's not something boring it's something i enjoy <laughs> but um no like you know it's di- it's different for every single like person who likes to call themselves a songwriter or write songs um for me personally i can't really like it's different every time like sometimes i could be, it's a lot of my songs are based on like how i'm feeling or past experiences or things that i'm trying to imagine what happen in the future that kind of thing um so like i was i i wrote a lot of like kind of sad breakup songs because me and my ex-girlfriend ages ago broke up but we don't talk about that sorry <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh but I, I got a lot of songs out of that like kind of it's a great way for me to um, channel my emotions, um, if I'm feeling happy, if I'm feeling sad. It's easier to write sad songs than happy songs because you're kind of always trying to figure it out when you're sad. But mm. when I sit down to write a song, I'm kind of like, I, I, at first I start off playing a bit of guitar. Or if I have this little keyboard in front of me, I don't play a piano, but I'll try. But um, <laughs> I kind of just, I, I just, you kind of have to see what comes out. And like, only songwriters understand this or people who write songs. Like, you know, when you're kind of, if you have a feeling when you're going to write a good song. You're kind of like, I need to write a song now. Like, I need to write a song now before this feeling goes. And like, that happened to me with Life Goes On, that song I just wrote there, like, I kind of was like, I need to write a song, I need to write a song. So I literally left the dinner table, didn't eat my dinner, went up and wrote a song and I came back down and I just felt so satisfied. Like, mm. there's been times at like two in the morning where I've done that and I like three in the morning where i would be like, I need to write a song right now, like right now, like when I'm lying in bed. So it's weird like that, but mm. I wouldn't say I kind of sit down and say, right, let's write a song unless I get that feeling like, if i'm not feeling it i won't write a song because i just feel like it'll be not as good as i want it to be mm. um but well, i suppose you have to write the bad songs to so write the good ones too mm. Uh, mm. but um i kind of just start off playing guitar and kind of freestyle on my on my guitar and then hope something kind of comes out and then once i get like the first few lines i'll be like i'll just build off that and try i don't really try sit there and rhyme it it just kind of has to flow i suppose like that's me personally like kind of has to there's no real answer in how I write the song because <laughs> every time it's different but mm. um, but yeah I kind of the main thing I always do is just get the guitar start playing whatever
2: chords come to my head and then just try to start singing on it and then hope something comes out really Well let's put that it. guitar to use if you can bring us one of your other favorite cover songs Cover songs yeah) um,
1: Don't you call him baby We're not talking lately Don't you call him what you used to call me I, I confess I could tell that you were at your best Selfish, so I'm hating it. I noticed that there's a piece of you in how I dress. Hell, I forgot the words. (laughs) Don't you call him, baby? i talking lately Don't you call him what you used to call me I, I just miss I just miss your accent and your friends Did you know I still talk to them? Does he take you walking around his parents' gallery? Don't you call him, baby? We're not talking lately. Don't you call him what you used to call me? Don't you call him, baby? Not talking lately, oh, don't you call him what she used to call me?
2: There we go. That was Cherry by Harry Styles. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, excellent. Talk to me about your family. What do they think? Of course, you uh, staggered down the stairs with a, a video of yourself and James Arthur a few months ago, but I'm sure it was a long road to get to that point. Ha- what do they think of your musical talent?
0: Yeah, my mom, my family are very supportive. Like you know, they always have been. They're very supportive of me, my brother, and my sister, no matter what we do. Um, but um, they did play. Like my mom especially would play. Played a massive part. Like she would always i'd put me into like drama schools and like as much singing things like i could when i was younger um but uh yeah like every time i, I write a song nearly i go down i show my mom or i show my granddad or my dad or anyone in my family really maybe not so much my brother or sister because they're kind of younger than me but they mm. wouldn't
2: really like even not the not love good. songs yeah, even the nice. the love songs that are kind of raw song, yeah. and very personal um
0: yeah i do like like obviously, it's so hard to even well, not so hard to share it with people, but like, because okay, well my my mom would know exactly what every song is about because I'm very mm. close to my mom and I tell her most of the go on in my life. So in my life, so like, if I came down and played her a song, she could tell me who it's about <laughs> like before I even finish mm. the song. So, um, it's kind of that like I I don't really feel like I need to hide that raw emotion from my mother, especially because you know she she understands me the most I think so mm-hmm. like I kind of don't feel too scared playing her that kind of songs but yeah my whole family are, are always very, very supportive of me and always trying to help me in in, in any way they can you know so mm-hmm.
2: it's good. Well we've drained a lot of the bank but I'm curious do you have another original that you're able to play for us? Yeah I can play my I have a single coming out on, on Sunday. On I didn't Sunday. want to yeah, yeah I didn't want to take too much of it but if you can give us at least Maybe a tinge of it.
0: Yeah, I can play a bit of it. Um uh, so it's actually gonna be released on piano. Um so that that's the main instrument in the in the recorded version. But I can try play some here. Um Try imagine how it feels. I better introduce it first. It's called Can Cove <laughs> Um and it's out on June twentieth. So
1: Try, imagine how it feels when that emptiness it comes to get you. Swallowed whole just like in me. How am I supposed to try and forget you? Do you even wanna start again? Do you even really know? It's alright if you wanna just be friends. It means I just have to let go never thought as strangers when we met that we'd find love and we grow felt so hard and now my heart's breaking i just want you to come home did you ever really love me cause i know if you did i would see your name on my phone asking how things are going because you know i'm alone you know i'm alone did you ever really want me now i know all you did was play with my heart when you're bored you don't know it can't cope i know it can't cope i can't fight this pain anymore oh i can't fight this pain anymore Did you ever really love me? Cause I know if you did, I would see your name on my phone Asking how things are going You know I'm alone You know I'm alone Did you ever really want me? Now I know all you did was play with my heart when you're bored You don't know I can't cope I know I can't cope I can't fight this pain anymore
2: a snippet of it there <laughs> world exclusive yeah. premiere of oh, well, can't cope <laughs> with by jamie mcintyre that, that was excellent i was also i heard on one of your live streams that you play those love songs up to the people that they're about surely that can't be true yeah that would be a very yeah, well, awkward I meeting
0: all the breakup songs yeah i suppose all the breakup songs like haven't been played to that person because like there's no contact there anymore um, but um, like my girlfriend now, whenever I write a song for her, like she's the first one to hear it. But I, I like it that way. Like I wouldn't really write many love songs because I, like, I, I haven't been in love with that many people. Like, you mm. know, but, um, but the ones I do write, I feel like because they're the ones that come from the heart and they're the hardest ones to write. And they're the most raw ones because when, when I write a sad song, I'm like, when you're sad, you're always trying to constantly figure out why am I sad, why am I sad? So that's why I write so many sad songs when I am sad. I'm not that sad anymore, but like you know, um, but uh, like the love songs are hard because when you're happy, you're not really thinking, you're not really questioning yourself, asking why am I happy? Why am I happy? You're just kind of going with the flow. So the love songs are the higher ones to write, and like for my girlfriend Katie, you know, whenever I whenever I write one about her, she's the first one to hear it, and hmm. I feel like that's the right the way it should be because if you write a song about someone, you know they should hear it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it, is, it, is, it was scary when I first when I wrote my first song about her now it was really scary playing it for her but like now it's just normal i just play it it's, it's a nice way you know like because it's, it's a nice way of communicating my love for someone because i feel like i wouldn't be i'm not as good at saying it like i wouldn't be able to like say mm. all the things I, that i say in the song without playing them so it's kind of like a great way like i said earlier channeling my emotions and making someone feel loved by you know giving them that song that i've written about them so
2: mm. well yeah, that's that's my way that's Jamie McIntyre, very talented young musician from Galway with his song Can't Cope, which is out on the 20th on all streaming platforms. You can even pre-save it. Now, Jamie, if you wouldn't mind, will you play us out with a cover? How about a, an Oasis number? I really liked your, your last one.
0: I love Oasis. Yeah, I'll play a bit of Oasis. Um...
2: Wonderwall is always a classic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, the thing is, like, I always get, everyone, every musician gets asked to say Wonderwall, but... <laughs> I'll try to play my own
1: version. Today is gonna be the day that we're gonna throw it back to you. By now I should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. The word is on the street That the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you heard it all before But you never really had it now I don't believe that anybody Feels the way I do About you now And all the roads you had to walk A-winding And all the lines to lead Staring blinding There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. I said maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. But after all, you're my wonder why. I said, maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. You're going to be the one that saves me. But after all,
2: you're my wonder why Yes, that was a truly fascinating show, from Cahill's uh, often colourful and, as always, colourful, colourful movie reviews, to the wonderful Jamie, with just an incredible performance. As a, as said before, he's got that new single coming out, uh, I believe, Midnight the 20th, so if you are up that late on Saturday night, or maybe you wake up Sunday, check out Jamie McIntyre on, on every platform. That's it from us here in studio, not only for today, but for the week. Have a great weekend we will be wishing you a a nice happy international sushi day which is tomorrow uh, about all that there is on to oh it's tomorrow is also international panic day so you can enjoy that so that's it from us here in studio to play us out we've got a little man known as john lennon here is jealous guy by john lennon